From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong, and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Korngut. I am the managing editor of Dread Central. I am also a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Hell. Happy Halloween, everybody. And on today's very special Halloween episode, we're going to be joined by Cassandra Peterson, a.k.a. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. So this has got to be one of the most exciting events to ever happen on this podcast. Elvira is not only a horror icon, but a queer icon. And everything I love about genre, drag, horror, and Halloween. So to make sure that we're doing this right, I've decided that in this episode, we're going to be talking 
talking about Elvira's Halloween survival guide, her personal journey into development hell. And before we get going, I'm actually joined today by another queen of Halloween, my lifelong friend and creative collaborator, Emily Gagne. Emily, how's it going? It's going amazing. I'm just happy to be here in conversation with Elvira in a strange way again Mm -hmm. you know like I'm not directly but I sort of am well I'm seeing it as like my biography and Elvira and I'm having you sort of write the epilogue yeah I've talked to a few people that listen to this podcast and they bring you up and they say that they like really enjoy our chemistry and the fact that we've known each other forever but just in case there Mm -hmm. are some newbies here today I was wondering can you reintroduce yourself to the development hell audience sure I have known John Gosh, forever, I'm going to say, like oh since gosh. we were in grade one. So it's a long-standing relationship. But also I write for Dreads. I have a column called Final Girl Fashion, which talks about costumes in horror movies. Sometimes I write reviews. We did a TIFF episode of Development Hell. And, you know, I also am a film programmer in my spare time. And I focus on women-directed things. I think that's it. I think that's pretty much me. I mean, that's a lot of what we love about you, but... I'm going to say apart from all of that, I brought you on today, you know, for your special relationship with Elvira. I know that you actually had a really cool interview with her at Dread Central recently. I'm wondering if you could just give us sort of a brief history about, you know, why is Elvira important to you? You guys can't see me. I'm talking to the listeners right now. You you guys can't see me. But I'm very high femme, and, but I love horror movies. So a lot of times people think I don't love horror movies because of the way that I physically present. I have blonde hair. I'm kind of like the like blonde uh, Munster, you know, like I'm like Marilyn Munster. And so people are like, what, you like horror movies? And I'm like, yes, I do. And that's why I love Elvira, because I think she personifies who I am in the horror community, which is like, I love spooky stuff, but I'm also kind of a valley girl. And that's what Elvira is to me and has always been. I think anyone in horror is drawn to her, but I have a specific sort of connection to her as like a high femme horror fan. You're a babe and you're spooky. And those things, I think, go so well together, even if people are kind of shocked by it when it happens. And I think Elvira is sort of a good example of what's so shocking about sexy lady horror. And she also like, and I actually spoke with her about this when I interviewed her for Dread. She kind of reminds me of Dolly Parton for horror, which is like that she's like this like larger than life personality who has giant boobs and but is like really smart and actually like knows her shit. Like, like if you talk to her about classic horror movies, like And if you read Elvira, like Cassandra Peterson's memoir, like she has loved horror since she was a kid. It's not just an act that she puts on as Elvira. Like she, like Vincent Price is her actual hero. And she like loved Creatures of the Night when she was a kid. That's what she played with as a kid. So like, Mm -hmm. I relate to that on a level too, where like you sort of make horror your career in a a way, uh, which I know you can relate to too. Definitely. And in our conversation, or in my conversation with Elvira, I sort of asked her what the movie that really scared her the most growing up is. And I'm not going to spoil it, but it is a Vincent Price original. So that's kind of And, you know, as almost everybody knows, Elvira is the character created by Cassandra Peterson. And Cassandra Peterson herself also pretty extraordinary, is in a few of my favorite movies, including one that we got to talk about 
on Dread Central, was it one or two years ago? It's Peaches Christ all about evil. Mm -hmm. And it's always a treat to me when we get to see Cassandra as Cassandra in a movie too. Well, I also feel like people don't know that like she's a she's a redhead. She's a ginger. Like that's what she is. But we think of her having black hair. But in truth, she's a ginger. Um, and so when you see her like out of Elvira drag, you're like, whoa, who's this person? You it's know? pretty crazy. I'm sure yeah. she kind of has to warn people ahead of time. Like today is Cassandra Day. Yeah. You know, be prepared. She uh, she goes redhead in The Monsters, the Rob Zombie Monsters movie that came out recently. Which- I like it. I like it. I brought up The Monsters twice already on this short conversation. But yes, I, I loved The Monsters. And I feel like I understand why she would relate to somebody like Rob Zombie and that he also like loves horror. And so like I could see them really bonding like in that way. Um, yeah, I think so. that they're good buds. Yeah. And what was her first experience with Elvira? Was she always kind of there? Like, where does your journey with her begin i mean i think as any child of like the 80s and like early 90s can attest like elvira has just been like in our lives like she's always been like sort of in the shadows lurking there um and i think for me i uh, honestly originally saw her in like ads for halloween related things like um you know beers and stuff like that like she was like on tv in that way or being a horror hostess like that's what I knew I didn't like as a kid initially like see um Elvira Mistress of the Dark the movie until I was a little bit older um but she was just this figure kind of like the crypt keeper I'm gonna say like that like I knew about but like didn't know where she came from and like as I've gotten older I've sort of read into her history and it's like even cooler than you could imagine I agree sort of from my experience where she was ubiquitous when it came to my favorite time of year which is Mm -hmm. Halloween she's everywhere and she always kind of was and she's looks exactly the same right now in character as she did when I was growing up kind of this like goddess of Halloween that comes around every year kind of like I'm sorry to make this comparison but like the Mariah Carey of Christmas you know Mm -hmm. it's like this diva that emerges as you say from the shadows and I'm just so excited for it to happen on an annual basis yeah yeah it's it's awesome every time I see her I just like like my heart like like turns on you know what I mean like it just like I feel like alive when I see her and I think like she's committed to the bit her whole life yeah she looks like pristine could she be sexier I just don't think it's possible no no Um, and like we've met I don't know, she probably doesn't remember this herself, but you and I actually have been in the same room as Elvira, and it was actually on a really important day. So Emily and I made a short film together a few years ago, uh, and it was a really important moment for both of us creatively. And we got to take this short called Best Friends Forever to the Salem Horror Festival. And I think that's where we had our world premiere. And the same night that we, I think... Was it the same night as our Mm -hmm. premiere? Yeah. Yeah. Elvira sort of had a little event there and we were in the same room and got to take a picture and kind of got to meet her. And I think we were like the last ones that made it in the door. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of a spiritual experience. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like very like affirming. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, whoa. And then I felt like we had good luck going into our screening, you know, it just was like, it was... It was perfect way to like cap off our trip to Salem for that. And that's festival. 
I think is like such a personification of Elvira as like an entity as well. Like that festival is so queer and so like campy and so like welcoming to everybody, which is I think the vibe that Elvira gives off. Like very yeah, welcoming. I, to I everybody. have to agree. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of drag. I know that you are too. Mm-hmm. Elvira's been on drag race a couple of times. How do you think drag and Elvira sort of intersect? Well, I think like it is a drag art for her. Like I know I made that comparison to Dolly Parton, who I also think is kind of a drag artist in her own way because she like wears wigs all the time. And, and you never see her not as Dolly Parton in the same way that like, it's very rare that you see Elvira, not as Elvira. Like she puts on the drag and that's, that's it. Um, It's, it's like a hyper, you know, realistic version of, of, of femininity, which is what drag is to me. Um, but drag is also like camp. And I think like that, like Elvira is so campy. Like, I, I think she often is like put in the same category with like PB Herman, for example, who is another like camp icon that like just sort of defies like uh, realism or is like, like just like out of this world. Totally. And I think that's what drag is too. That's what I think. Like drag, I think and Elvira really go hand in hand. One of the things that I always love to point out to people is that on RuPaul's Drag Race, they always say, like, how's your head? Um, and, and people say, I haven't had any complaints. Um, and that's from Elvira. That's an Elvira quote that is, like, constantly used. Oh, but people think that's a RuPaul quote in them. That is I Elvira. think RuPaul steals from Elvira a lot, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, like, yeah. he, he loves her, like, silly, punny, horny sense of humor. And who wouldn't? I think, like, a lot of the skits that they do on Drag Race, honestly, are, like, based off of, like, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Like, I think that that, like, film was, like, such an important part of RuPaul Charles's, like, identity that it, like, can't help but seep into um, the media like that. Like, how, how do you feel about, like, Elvira's connection to drag? Like, do you, did you always see that? Or, like, do you feel like it's sort of become more present to you over time? You know, the longer I sort of understand drag, the more I realize that it really has very little to do with gender and all to do with expression. And once I sort of got to understand those nuances, there's no difference between what Alvira is doing and what drag is doing. It's all uh, performance and expression and art (laughs) and genre. And it's all kind of in the same little cornucopia, I think. Yeah, yeah. I always also thought that like Elvira, the name was a combination of Elvis and Vampira, which mm-hmm. I found out when I spoke with her on the phone, um, that that is not the intention, but it makes a lot of sense because like, I think like, like basically she was sort of like a play off of Vampira mm-hmm. um, and famously like Sandra Peterson loves Elvis, but like, that's what drag is like. It's like kind of like a parody of like, of, of femininity pe- of femininity but like also characters that we already know like think of how many drag names are like sort of like a play on words of like somebody that we already know oh yeah um so yeah um, it's... do you know my, do you know my drag name crystal lake yeah, yeah. <laughs> crystal yeah. lake yeah so oh, i think you. so much of alvera feels like drag and i think it's why like when she came out as queer or or you know said that she was dating a woman like so many of us just were like, this makes sense <laughs> to me. Like there was, was always some sort of yeah. queer culture about Elvira. Yeah. And queer people are historically just attracted to horror. 
and attracted to drag and attracted to all of these sort of forms of expression for whatever reason that we don't really need to get into right now. So having Alvira sort of come out I way and sort of be in our community, it was like a really, I think you said affirming, but like a really wonderful moment for, I think us as queer fans too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Because I think like we just have lashed on to her. Like, I know that she has this presence of being like, maybe like straight presenting. Like you're like, Oh, like she's so big boobed and she's like flirting with men in, in these movies that we watch. But, um, but I think like we were saying with the drag stuff, like there's more to it than that. And it's kind of playing with the expectation of like cisgender and, and straightness, like trying to like, be like this is silly this is silly like let's talk about how silly it is that like a big boobed woman is gonna sell a beer because she mm-hmm. would you know and back to her movies you know obviously this is a podcast about horror movies that never escaped the development hall cycle and that's something i sort of dig into a little bit with her mm-hmm. um she has two films like there's elvira mistress of the dark And then there's Elvira's Haunted Hills, which is a much more sort of indie production. Um, Have you, I'm assuming you've seen both of these? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen both. Um, I love them both. The second film that feels like authentically Elvira in like what it's parodying and like homage Mm -hmm. to Vincent Price and stuff like that. And it's goofiness. Those are both extraordinarily goofy. Yeah. We talk about, and we'll learn about why she had such a hard time getting things made and, you know, the issues in Hollywood and the issues of being, you know, a sexy lady in Hollywood. And I'm excited for everyone to hear, you know, what she has to say about that, but road movie she had in mind um, as a second feature. But, you know, even the title alone, Elvira Goes to Hell, like, wouldn't you just pay an arm and a leg? Literally, I would give my left tit to see... (laughs) that movie you know me too me too like I would um Um, but yeah yeah I I always feel like she's she's got something else in her so I Mm -hmm. like hope that like you know the more that she does conversations like this you know like the more people remember how great she is and like give her more things to do because like Mm -hmm. like I say like there's just nothing like seeing her like she just she just she's the queen for a reason you know Mm -hmm. she's the queen of Halloween for a reason totally all right emily i thank you for this very terrifying epilogue i really appreciate it you have the most interesting elvira insight in my opinion and i just always like an excuse for having you on the pod well i am happy to come on anytime but especially talk about elvira i could talk about her all day and i'm just gonna say to anyone that's listening if you haven't read her book already yours cruelly like please read it it is exceptional and it'll give you a whole other understanding about this beautiful person that we've grown to love please enjoy this conversation with cassandra peterson aka elvira Happy Halloween. How has October been for you so far this year? Busy as ever. Never seems to slow down. I always think it kind of will, and then it doesn't. Of course, you're busy this time of year, but do you have time for any Halloween traditions with family and friends? Uh, Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, for the second time only in 43 years, I get to go to a Halloween party on Halloween night in my neighborhood. 
Um, and I get to actually wear a costume that's not Elvira for the first time, second time. <laughs> Last year was my first time going to a Halloween party in 42 years. So what are you dressing and, up as? Well, there was a theme and the theme was ghosts. And okay. so I am dressing as some, something completely opposite Elvira. I'm dressing as a nun, but I'm I'm doing ghost makeup. So I'm the Holy Ghost. And uh, what were you last year for the first time in 40 years? Well, the theme last year was you had to be something that was in the sky. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. How, how does one dress up as Lucy in the sky with diamonds? I had like little diamonds glued all over me. I had sparkly <laughs> things. I had a blue wig. I had a psychedelic bell bottoms and top on uh, wings. <laughs> and uh, yeah, gonna, I don't know. I think I, I think I kicked it. How do you yeah. deal with Halloween burnout? Yeah, that has always been an issue for me. I mean, <laughs> I probably make uh, nine tenths of my income during the month of October, you know? And so I start in August and I work like a fiend through August, September and October. And um, I do get burned out, you know, but I have to kind of, mm -hmm. what I sort of do is prepare all the rest of the year you know it's like getting ready um, for hibernation yeah exactly it's like eating everything that i can find so that <laughs> I... <laughs> I do that all the time anyway yeah no it is that's so funny you said that that's a good joke get prepared for hibernation it's very much like that for halloween yes now you slayed last year in rob zombie's monsters movie what was that oh, experience like for you it was so incredibly fun um <laughs> i got to go to hungary and we we shot in um i was get budapest and bucharest mixed up budapest yeah mm -hmm. shot in budapest and um we all the casting cast stayed in one big kind of old palace in town and we had a blast every night i mean and every day i mean rob and sherry of course were working very hard everybody was working hard but we still have time to hang out for dinners together and and uh have some fun it was a really really fun movie set and fun people. I mean, I love Rob and, mm -hmm. and Jerry. What a dream team. And even yeah. for superstars like Rob Zombie and yourself, getting a movie made can be really tough. How has your experience been with development help? Well, it's been very, very tough over uh, my lifetime because, mm -hmm. you know, after a few years of being Elvira on TV, I finally got this film project underway um, mm -hmm. with NBC, later NBC Universal. But because of problems with the distribution, um, the company distributing it went bankrupt, uh, I think two days after my film was released, one or two. Mm. And that caused the whole thing to be pulled from theaters. And then my box office numbers were not good. And I couldn't get another movie made for the life of me because basically studios look at the numbers. How well did you do in your last movie? If you did phenomenal, they'd do another movie. If you did not so phenomenal, they don't do another movie. Mm -hmm. So for years and years and years, my writing partner, John Paragon, and I wrote movies and submitted them and took them to every single studio and production company there was and couldn't get another movie made for the life of me. Finally, I decided to make my own movie um, while well, I was still young enough to do it, you know, and and put uh, used my own money, shot it in Romania, um, you know, because it was, uh, you know, you could get a lot more bang for your buck over there, mm -hmm. and um, and did it on my own, you know, uh, Elvira's Haunted Hills, and <clears throat> you know, I I don't know that it's as good as the first one, I, I accepted it. You know, it is in a different way. A lot of people like it better than the first one. Mm -hmm. I um, love it. It's a whole different vibe. But I always tell people Haunted Hills cost a million dollars. 
Mistress of the Dark costs $14 million. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's weird. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I couldn't get a movie made and it was so frustrating for me. I think part of it had to do with being a woman also. I don't mean to sound like sour mm -hmm. grapes, but being a woman and being like a sexy woman, you know, um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to get a movie made. And meanwhile, Ernest, you know, um, who is the, you know, the character in the eighties, Vern. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he was getting one movie made after another, you know, and, uh -huh. and I couldn't, I couldn't, get anything going at all so i still look back on it with a little bit of bitterness i'd say mm -hmm. i mean we all want more elvira on screen out of all of the projects that you developed with your writing partner if blumhouse came along and said you had carte blanche which one would you bring to life i had a ton of them that were so awesome uh, one thing i would have done well i had this one called elvira goes to hell <laughs> and it was like a buddy picture <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I really liked that one. It was really funny. It was it was um, revolved around Halloween a little bit more. But I think if I had my choice to have made another movie that had a decent budget with a film studio, I would have gone a lot more in the vein of Mistress of the Dark, which mm -hmm. really seemed to work for the character, which is a fish out of water mm -hmm. um, with with Haunted Hills. We took a stab at being a fish in water. You know, everything around me was also spooky. Everyone around me was spooky. Um, and I don't think it works as well as seeing Elvira juxtaposed against the normies, you know? Yes, yes. Elvira Goes to Hell, what a great title. Is there like anything else you can tell me about that storyline? Oh my gosh, it was just, it was kind of loosely based, honestly, on the, on the, um, Ernest movies, you know, because yeah. his movies were always like, you know, Ernest goes to the mall, Ernest goes to the bathroom, whatever he does, you know? And yeah. and so it was sort of based on that. It was like, hey, that's working for him. Maybe it'll work for me. <laughs> Fortunately, it didn't. But I thought, you know, where's Elvira going to go this cool? She has to go to hell. She absolutely does. And there's still time. Maybe prison. Whoa, that'd be great. <laughs> that, that would be good. She could like run the prison. Oh, there's ideas everywhere. Exactly. Um, there have been reports or maybe even rumors of an animated Elvira project or film. If that were to happen, how would you want it to be a show or a film? I would 100% want it to be a film. I have mm -hmm. been approached and worked a little on various animated projects for TV, for like a series. And um, I don't know, for one reason or another, they, they never kind of worked out. And there was nothing that I was super thrilled about either. But I want to do a film that is almost like a Disney film that really explores where the character came from, what she does, how she's tied into the the um, holiday of Halloween, mm -hmm. which is becoming such a big thing, not just in the U.S., but worldwide. And mm -hmm. um, in a fantasy way, you know, but um, a film that kind of starts out like inventing the character of, of Elvira, you know, kind of a long, kind mm -hmm. of the vibe of uh, maybe, you know, um, Edward Scissorhands almost, which which yeah. I think of as a beautiful fairy tale. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, one of mine too. And, and you know, I think that could be done with, with the Elvira character to explain mm -hmm. why and what her connection is with Halloween. So mm -hmm. I there, I just great. blew that whole uh, thing. <laughs> that, that, is what, that is what we came up with and what we wrote and what I uh, really would love to do for an 
animated movie. Well, fans love Elvira's work with Scooby-Doo. Is there any chance we're going to see more of that in the future? Well, I don't know. I guess that would be up to the people to make Scooby-Doo, but I had a (laughs) blast doing that. I thought it was so damn funny. I mean, they really did a good job with the character and with the, the jokes. And I thought the funniest thing I'd ever seen was at the end when when my wig is actually a rhesus monkey sitting on my head and i give it to i give it to one of the the kids and you know the scooby-doo gang and they and i have to tell them how to feed it and everything so i couldn't stop laughing over that i thought it was brilliant of them to do has your queer fan base been reaching out to you more since the release of your book yeah i don't know if actually more i think they always did you know mm-hmm. i think they always did um but it's it's very sweet that like when i meet my fans Many of them now say, I'm so happy and proud of you for, you know, coming out. And and um, it took a lot of guts. I think it's so sweet. You know, so I do hear those compliments now a lot. Um, yeah, I think my fan base was always pretty queer. Yeah, you know, I think so. Elvira is a very femme character. Mm-hmm. But if there was a male version of Elvira, maybe a drag king version have you ever wondered what he would be like? Oh, he'd have to be a wuss because I wear the pants in all this family. Hot. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be, uh, no, he would be. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be calling the shots. I can just tell you that Elvira doesn't back down from things. So she'd cool. be the one running the show. Why do you think queer folk tend to gravitate to horror movies and all things spooky? You, you know, that's an interesting thing. I have thought about it for years. I, I think probably for the same reason when... Uh, I grew up that I felt like an outcast and that something was wrong with me. I wasn't normal. I wasn't like the other kids. And that wasn't because I was gay because I wasn't gay. It was because I had been burned as a child and I had all these scars Mm. and I was bullied and teased. And I think a lot of gay people have experienced that through their life. And strangely, that seems to be one of the, uh, (laughs) I don't know. It's a, it's amazing how many people I come across who's had some childhood trauma, childhood or teen trauma that made them gravitate towards horror. Mm-hmm. I think it felt more comfortable for them. They, they, um, what's the damn word I'm looking for? Well, they associated with, with associated. It's not the right word with, with the monster. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Um, I do relate. Yeah. It related more. That would be a better word. Yeah. They related more to the, to the, monster in a in a horror movie than to the person who you know was the the hero or whatever i mean i think that's how it was for me when i was a kid of course the horror movies back then were a lot more tame and everything but um there there's something there and i'm not a psychologist so i don't know exactly (laughs) what it is but Mm -hmm. i'm always amazed at how many people whether they're straight or or queer um had a hard time when they were kids or, or preteens, you know? Definitely. And I think She's... there's something that, that goes with the horror genre there. I think so too. Um, was there ever a horror movie or a show that really freaked you out or traumatized you growing up? Well, there, there was. I mean, it was it was House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price. I mean, nice. I've never seen or heard of a horror movie or TV show or anything when my cousin took me to see House on Haunted Hill uh, at the movie theater. And it was life changing for me. I mean, I remember, you, you know how when something happens and you remember exactly where you were sitting and the moment you were, you know, you remember how everything looked around you, you know, yeah. those moments like Kennedy getting shot or, you know, or whatever. 
the past. And, uh, that's how I remember seeing this movie. It was just like, what? You know, mm -hmm. couldn't believe my eyes. And I was incredibly scared and had nightmares for weeks after. And my parents kicked my cousin's butt, but um, for taking me. But at the same time, I wanted more, 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 more. I was fascinated by it. And all I could do was beg my cousin to take me to more of those same type of horror movies, you know, the, okay. the Hammer films, the Roger Corman films. And I got so into that, that I was next searching out horror magazines and little models that I could paint and everything horror. So mm -hmm. I don't even remember the question. Now I'm just rambling away. No, so I love it. Did you ever see the remake? I did and I didn't like it. No. Nah, you can't reheat an old souffle. <laughs> no, you can't. But that's a great answer. And it was an honor getting to talk with you today. So thank you so much. Thank you. That was great. Thank you so much for listening to Development Hell. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review. It really makes all the difference in the world. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Development Hell. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.